Hey, it's Monday, my dudes. You know, my son told me I couldn't use that on air. That's right. He said, Dad, nobody will know what that's from. They won't understand what you're saying. You're going to make a fool of yourself. And guess what I did? I just, I used it. It's actually supposed to be, it's Wednesday, my dudes. And then I'm supposed to make this weird squealing sound. But unless you've seen the Vine, and Vine's not even a thing anymore, you won't know what I'm talking about. So let's just stick with, it's Monday, and you can be my dudes if you want to. I'm Tyrell Bramwell, the host of, you guessed it, Cross Defense, and the pastor of St. Mark Lutheran Church here in the beautiful Victorian village of Ferndale, California. It is a pleasure to be with you today. We are coming to you from KFUO.org or on, uh, what is it, 8.50 a.m. on the radio dial. If you're listening in the St. Louis area, it is a pleasure to be with you today. Thanks for tuning in. You can get a hold of me on pretty much all the social medias, the ones that are still around. Don't look for me on Vine because it's not there anymore. I was never on Vine, but uh, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and even LinkedIn, and even over on YouTube. That is considered a social media. I don't know if people know that, but you can interact socially on YouTube. So it is a social media. The handle is always at Tyrell Bramwell. It's just my name, T-Y-R-E-L-B-R-A-M-W-E-L-L. You can also reach out to me via email. Isn't that funny? Snail mail was kind of made um, old-fashioned by email, and email is now old-fashioned by social media direct message. Isn't that weird? But email, you can just uh, go over to my website. That's the easiest way to get this done. Go to the contact form at TyrellBramwell.com. Again, just my name, pretty simple. And you can use that contact page and send me an email. It'll be great to hear from you. Want to know what kind of brain-buzzing Bible brilliance is rattling around in your head? You got questions, you got comments, you want just to shoot the breeze about something theological? Go ahead and do that. We're going to kind of keep the torch burning. This is Cross Defense. We're trying to... to put the devil in his place, so to speak. We don't want to be bored out of our mind when we're thinking theology. Theology is exciting, as Pastor Wolfmiller always would point out, and it's a wonderful thing to point out. It is exciting. It does ignite the imagination. It does equip the mind. And uh, most importantly, it comforts the soul. Absolutely. And that's what we're here to do. So we got a great show for you lined up today. We're going to let a uh, brother pastor, someone you have heard of on this show, I don't know if he's actually been on this show. We're going to ask him when, as soon as we bring him on here. We'll find out if he's ever been on Cross Defense. If not, it's the first time for everything. But you have heard of him, and you've heard of his work if you're a long-time listener to the show. His name is Sean Kilgo. He is the pastor of four, count it, four churches in Kansas. And I think it's interesting. When, uh, when I was going to have him on, right? made the made the preparations to have him on. I've been listening to Cross Defense back archived episodes of Cross Defense as I'm driving up to do this vacancy I'm filling in for. I got a two and a half hour drive. So it's been a wonderful blessing to be able to listen to Brother Wolf Miller's back episodes. And yesterday in preparation for this show and just tuning in, wanting to find out more content, cross defense content, I randomly picked an episode and wouldn't you know it, it's the episode that this brother and his work on the eyes of faith is brought up in. Pastor Wolfmiller talked about Sean Kilgo, Pastor Sean Kilgo, and his work, his wonderful work on the eyes of faith and all the studies he's been doing in uh, Martin Luther and his writings and the hymns and just in scripture. And it's we're going to talk about it. We're going to bring him in right now. I'm sure he can talk about this for days on end, if y'all will let him. I'll certainly let him. But uh, the microphone might shut down before we're actually able to finish talking about the eyes of faith. So without further ado, let me bring 
on our guest, Brother Kilgo. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Wonderful. Thanks for joining us on Cross Defense. It's good to have you here. What, yeah, it's good to be here. What finally. happened between between today with your four churches and what was it back in January when you were mentioned on the show? You had 14. What what happened? I, I know apparently some of them left uh, or <laughs> Pastor Wolf Miller exaggerates one or the other. I'll, I'll let the listener decide which one that is. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So have you ever actually been on the show? I've never been on the show. Well, welcome. I uh, never got Pastor Wolf Miller to let open the gates. Oh my goodness! Well, you send him that. You send him twenty pages. He said twenty pages. I don't know if that was an exaggeration, but you send him no, all that no, material. Actually, I went back and I looked. It was twenty pages, single space. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff. Well, you send him all that material. You you really got him fired up. I. It's funny that I watched that or listened to that show yesterday. Um, just the coincidence is great, and he was really digging all your work on the eyes of faith. So give us a give us a little primer. Um, what are we talking about? What is this? Yeah, so the eyes of faith. Uh, it, it, anybody that remembers this show, Pastor Wolf Miller was talking about this, and he he brought up four particular things. He brought up a hymn from Luther. We're we're going to mention that again. Uh, he also brought up a um, a couple of quotes from Luther, and these are in Luther's sermons on John. Uh, it's Luther's works uh, twenty two, twenty three, and twenty four, and the American edition for anybody that has those and wants to look them up, or if you don't have them. Go and ask your pastor, because he probably has them, yeah. and you can read some awesome Luther stuff. Uh, but he brings up the uh, deal with St. Agatha. He brings up uh, the uh, his quote on the two types of sight, where he kind of does kind of lay this out a little bit. Usually Luther's just kind of talking, and it just shows up, right? And then the other one is um, how we're to look at Jesus, which is one of my favorites that I've run across. What had happened, though, is a, a few years back, I was doing some prep for some marriage catechesis. And I was reading this little book called What is Marriage Really? It's a couple of sermons from Luther. Uh, one of them is on Hebrews 13, let the marriage bed be kept undefiled, uh, etc. And in there, he has this little quote talking about uh, marriage, and he's talking about how we're given to, to view our spouse. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read this real quick because it is, uh, <laughs> it is one of my favorite quotes. Uh, so Luther says this, Realize that after you are married, the devil will tempt you with adventurous curiosity and forbidden lust, for you will not be perfectly chaste unless you have a special grace from God. You will not perfectly love your wife. As a result, from time to time, other thoughts will enter your mind, suggesting that another woman is prettier and lovelier than your wife. In the same way, also, your wife will not perfectly love you. Consequently, some other man may turn her head. What? May God protect me, you say. Should I not love my wife? Should I become fed up with my husband? May God protect me too. Yet you be watchful as well. Even though you might be chaste, you nonetheless will feel such temptations in your heart, stirred up by your flesh and inspired by the devil, especially if you want to be a Christian. This is why you must here once more be armed with God's word. It tells you, this is your flesh and your bone, given and ordained to you from God. By this word, she is adorned in sheer purple and pieces of gold and precious stones above all other women on earth. You will not be able to choose or select a better one. In this way, you can fend off adventurous curiosity and resist the devil so that no other woman becomes lovelier or more desirable than your wife, even if she is homely, obstinate, odd, and unfriendly. Otherwise, if you follow your thoughts and the lures of the devil, making all others look prettier and lovelier than your wife. You have already spoiled such a treasure and adornment together with God's blessing and pleasure. Now, it's hilarious because 
we should remember this is a sermon. There's a couple <laughs> standing in front of Luther when he says this stuff, right? But the, his point is that, look, you know, even if your wife is these things, right? He says, homely, obstinate, odd, unfriendly, throw in whatever <laughs> yeah. you want. Even if your wife is these things, it doesn't matter because as her husband, you're not given to look at her like that anymore because she's been, as as Luther says so wonderfully, she's been uh, adorned with God's word that tells you these things about her. So now, according to your ear, you're given to see something else. And that that is... Uh, that I, I read that and it, it took me a while to figure out what was going on here. And I finally came across this, this thing from, uh, from pastor Wolfmiller written a paper for doxology. And in a footnote, he gave a passing reference to this, that, um, Luther talks about this seemingly a lot and it would be a fruitful area of study. I was like, huh, well, that's interesting. Uh, maybe I should study this. Um, and so I did, and it, it started with that and it started with the hymn that, that, um, Luther wrote on this as a, uh, quoting this as well that Pastor Wolf Miller mentioned. So, so, so there's That's the right. it's, yeah. rundown on this. Yeah. That's right. So you just mentioned it, and and maybe I'm not even sure the listener could hear what you said. You said it just so uh, naturally. How does the groom see his wife? Yeah. So the groom sees. So I I, I like to say it like this because it sounds so weird, but it sticks in your head. Yeah. Uh, the the groom sees his wife by his ears. By his ears. Right. Right. Which is wonderful when when you when you. It sounds weird, but the more you think about it, the more it grows on you. Yeah. And I'm hoping that that the that some of the listeners will end up like me. I, um, I can't talk about theology. It seems at this point without bringing this up somewhere, right? It, it seems to show up in in a bunch of my sermons now. Like <laughs> your every time your people teaching. are like Pastor Kilgo. We we get it. Stop. Stop. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And my point is like, no, no, you don't get it. You don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> you need to. You need to uh, see wait, it. There's better. more for us. There's more, and it's awesome. Tell us more. Bring us, just let's, yeah. let's unpack this thing from scripture. Okay, so so seeing with seeing with your ears, this is the idea that uh, that we live as Christians according to what God tells us in His Word, right? Um, and and this makes sense, right? When you say it like that, Christians live according to God's Word. Okay, fine. Yeah. And and we know a bunch of passages that are like this, right? Yeah. So we have like uh, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. Uh, we've got, uh, for in this hope we were saved now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes in what he sees. Uh, or as we look to the things that are, are not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, or we walk by faith and not by sight. Like we know all these passages, right? Yeah. Especially that last one, like just about every Christian knows that passage. Like, you know, with Christian 101, you know, <laughs> a passages to memorize, like that's one of them. And, but I don't think that we really know or we, we pay too much attention on what exactly these things mean. Like we, we memorize them, we know them. Uh, but if you ask someone, well, what does it mean that you walk by faith and not by sight? It, you can be kind of, uh, 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 I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's not that you walk with your eyes closed, right? Because <laughs> then you run into all sorts of stuff. But uh, what it means is that we walk. Um, so let, let's back this up a little. Sure. Bit. Uh, so we walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, how do the scriptures then define how faith comes to us, right? And the great passage is Romans 10, right? The, one of the other passages that uh, is Christian 101 memorization stuff. Uh, faith comes by hearing, right? Yeah. So faith, so um, so if you supplement this, you know, do a little transfer, right? Um, if 
A equals B, then you can substitute B for A, right? Do a little math sort of thing here, right? So we walk by faith and not by sight. You can substitute if faith is, uh, comes by hearing. We walk by hearing and not by sight, right? And, th and this is the idea of the, uh, the eye of faith, right? Or that, that, we, that we see with our ears, right? Yeah. That we, we, are, we are walking along through this world as Christians based on the faith that's been put into our ears through God's word. And that impacts us in every single way possible. Right. Every everything that we're looking around and seeing, everything that we're interacting with in this world, in the church, in our homes, whatever it may be, is is impacted by what the Lord has told us, because he tells us about all these things. And he tells us how we ought to consider them uh, in contrast with how they look externally. Right. Because they're not yeah. always the same thing. And and the wife is the one one of the wonderful examples of that. My wife external, like everybody else looks at my wife and they see Michelle, right? I look at my wife and I see bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, right? Praise God. And yeah. nobody else in the world sees her that way, right? Or should, right? right? Yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully, hopefully not. <laughs> um, nobody else in the world is given to see her that way. Right. Right. Now to take this kind of in, in the same vein, maybe this is helpful too, because I, I talk about this when we talk about what love is, right? So love has this sort of deal as well. The way we're given to love, defined by the commandments, differs on uh, what our vocation is, but we have to uh, see this spiritually, right? So as a pastor, I'm given—I'll I'll use three examples—I'm given to love my congregation and my children and my wife. If I try and love my congregation the way I love my wife, I am defrocked and I'm no longer suited to be a pastor, right? Yes. Um, if I try and love my children the way I'm given to lo love my congregation, I will neglect my children, Right. Um, so I have to look at my children or my wife or my congregation by faith and see then how I'm given to love them in that. Right. So there's another example of how this I mean, it shows up just everywhere. Yeah. You know, right? uh, when when Wolf Miller was talking about it in the uh, January episode, I he, he mentioned sort of like a. I, maybe I, maybe he mentioned this, maybe he didn't something like a, a king or or you have this sort of royal picture of a bride. Yeah. And and. um it reminded me of fairy tales. You know, I like to do a lot of work in fairy tales and it reminded me of oftentimes a theme you get is that the, the prince or the princess does not appear as they are really at the beginning of the, of the story. Right. Right. Um, right. The, it's like Cinderella is kind of classic, right? She, when she, when she meets the prince, she's all dressed up all fancy and she's not her normal self, but oftentimes in the fairy tales, it's the other way. They come out of their high kingly estate. their uh, their Royal garb. And they're they're kind of a commoner when you first right. meet them in the story, and you it's only through knowing who they really are that, that the reader knows oh there's more to this story. So right. as as you talk and as I remember Pastor Wolf Miller talking in that first episode, that that's what comes to mind is this is so true. Everything in in life is like this, right? Mm -hmm. I mean this is how we're we're guided um, in Scripture. We're guided to think like this. We we think about um, I'm I'm thinking communion right away, and what's going mm -hmm. on in communion. The natural person sees just some basic bits of bread, some very you know low low tier wine, nothing high shelf. But the Christian sees that that's that's the greatest treasure on earth, right? right? Hidden in and under and with those elements, those basic gross elements, right? Right, right. Oh my goodness, this thing preaches all day long. Oh, it does. It does. That's why it shows in my preaching all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
No, so I'm so uh, kind of on this. I'm uh, I'm going to back you up to a different sacrament, right? Because we should talk about this. Pastor Wolfmiller talked about it. Um, I'm convinced we can't know this uh, this hymn in general. We ought to know the catechism hymns better than we do. Um, uh, they do teach the catechism in a wonderful way. But this stanza especially is so wonderful for us. Um, not only is just a just a great treasure uh, in the stanza itself, but also in teaching us this distinction, right? So I was actually just talking with uh, our Bible study yesterday in, in, on the book of Revelation, and we got into talking about this, and I mentioned that, you know, this, this is a difficult thing for us. It takes practice at learning to make this distinction and actually making it in, in our lives where we see things, see everything by faith, right? We use spiritual eyes when we look at everything. Yeah. The place to start is with your baptism, right? It, in my opinion, the place to start is with your baptism. Start there, learn to see your baptism, everybody else's baptism, learn to look at the font and the water there uh, with spiritual eyes. And Luther helps us with this. He gives us kind of a framework to work with. Love it. I love where you're going. It sounds like we're going to be on it for a little bit. So let's take a break real quick sure. before we get too deep into it. And then we'll take on Luther's hymn and baptism right when we get back. Sounds good. good. All right. Stick with us, guys. We'll be right back after the break. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10 states, If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Find this true wisdom in Christ on Sharper Iron every weekday morning at 8 a.m. here on Worldwide KFUO. Sharpen the iron of your faith together with two pastors as they take up the sword of the Spirit to proclaim the gifts of Christ crucified and risen for you. back on the break. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, Pastor Kilgo, before we get back into the theology, where can people find you um, on the interweb? So you can find me on Facebook if you just search me, Sean Kilgo, on Facebook. Okay. Uh, my picture's there. Um, I'm on the Twitter. Twitter, I think it's just my name, Sean okay. Kilgo. Instagram is uh, at Kansas Pastor. Because uh, I, I made this joke when I when I got the call out here. That people asked me where I'm pastor. I said Kansas. They're like, well, we're at in Kansas. Like, no. All, All of Kansas. Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. And then um, uh, YouTube as well. Uh, my paid YouTube channel is just my name as well. Okay. And then uh, I just started up a uh, a podcast. You can find me on on Podbean with that. It's called a uh, Double Edged Sword. Double uh, right Edged now. Sword. Okay. Yep. Uh, you can find me on that. And it, right now it is as I'm getting going is primarily just devotions and and readings from the Bible. But right. um, those things are awesome. So. Yeah, absolutely. Double-edged sword, and just for listeners out there, it's S-E-A-N, if you're wondering how to spell Sean. Right. This particular the Sean. Way. The correct way, yeah. Um, and K-I-L-G-O is pretty easy to spell his last name, but just so you can find the man, because he's got great material for you. Okay, my friend, back into Luther and his hymn and, and baptism. Yeah. That's where we left so, off. Yeah, so to Jordan came the Christ our Lord is the the hymn. I, I want to say it's like 456 in the hymnal, something like that. It's got two... 456, 457, I believe, if memory serves correct, uh, it's got two different tunes to it. 
So it, um, and it's a double page hymn. So it takes up four pages of the hymnal. So you got a pretty good chance of finding it. Uh, but the sixth stanza of that uh, says this, all that the mortal eye beholds is water as we pour it before the eye of faith unfolds the power of Jesus merit for here it sees the crimson flood to all our ills bring healing the wonders of his precious blood, the love of God revealing, assuring his own pardon and it is so wonderful. And one of the things to notice in this, I like to point this out to people, look at how much space he devotes to the two different topics, right? He devotes one line to what we physically see because there's not much, right? There's yeah. water. Yeah. Right. Um, so all the mortal eye beholds is water as we pour. That's all we see with our with our physical eyes. And he says, but the eye of faith sees something so much more. Uh, it sees the crimson yeah. flood that brings um, all of our healing to us. Uh, it, it sees the wonders of the precious blood of Christ. It sees Jesus merit everything that he wins yeah. for us with his perfect life. Right. And then it sees this, the love of God and then the assurance of his pardon, right? And, and this is that, um, the judicial language that Pastor Wolf Miller likes to talk about, right? Where the, where the judge says not guilty, right? Yeah, That's the pardon, right? right? That's right. Uh, the, the not guilty verdict. And, and he Which declares what is happening, this. right? That's right, why, right. yeah. And, and this, so this is all in that last part, right? And so Luther's like, look, you, you just see water with your eyes, but you see like all of the magnificent riches and blessings of God uh, more than you could ever possibly fathom by faith, right? And so as I, I tell people, you know, start with baptism and learn to see Jesus' blood in the water, right? Learn to see the water as being red. Learn to see this, like uh, St. John says in the Revelation, that these are those having their robes washed white with the blood of the Lamb, right? Um, that, that that's your baptism, right? So, so start there, learn, learn to see that. And, and that's a really nice framework to, to work with because it's, it's short, it's sweet, it's, it's simple. And we know baptism really well, right? Yeah. So start there. That, that's always my, my uh, advice on getting going with this. To the theme of this show, right? With this idea of igniting the ima imagination, exciting it. Right. Um, I think you're onto something huge here that every Christian should really sort of stop. Don't let this hit your ears too quickly. Take a second. It's always good to sort of pause as we're as we're engaged in these things because what you're talking about, Pastor, is amazing with our imagination. We oftentimes think of imagination as this childish thing, but everything our brain does is imagining. It is it is mm -hmm. making pictures, which is why scripture is, is so powerful, right? As I mean, we see Jesus right. tells stories, tells parables, right? He's making pictures for us to be able to grasp the truth. Paul does this like crazy. Um, this idea that we we hear a story, we hear something. And as you're talking, as the listeners are, are driving their cars down the, the freeway, you're talking and they're picturing water in their minds. And now when you mm -hmm. say, see it as blood, now they're picturing red water, right? Bloody water. And as you point that out to Jesus cross, now they're seeing the flow from his wounds into the font. What a gorgeous right. thing to think about. Right, Thank you. right. Yes, more. Let's uh, go deeper. One of the big debates is what is the Lord's Supper? Is it actually Christ's body and blood? And you know, we know that it is according to the scriptures. And one of the uh, accusations that some of the Reformed would bring against the Lutherans is that, well, it just looks like blood because it's red wine, mm. right? <laughs> and so one of some, some of the Lutheran churches, because of that, stop using red wine. They switch right. to white. 
uh, and it's for this exact reason, right? Because they're like, look, it's not about what you see physically. It's about what you see by faith. Yeah. Um, and so that they're actually implementing this principle of the eyes of faith <laughs> in their very practice by not using red wine. Oh, I love being right? a Lutheran. <laughs> it's great. I love it. Well, you know, yeah. someone says, someone tries to limit God and we say, really? Let, let's see about that. Let's, let's see about right. that. Right. Yeah. Do you know so, any, any congregations in Kansas? I mean, I, I, you are serving all of them. So um, are there any congregations <laughs> in Kansas that are using white wine? Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, there's a couple that I would suspect might possibly, but I don't know for yeah. sure. What well, a neighboring church to where I did my vicarage out here in California, down by, uh, in Palo Alto. I don't remember where the neighboring church was exactly, but they were that exact issue. Uh, I remember learning mm -hmm. about that during vicarage that they were using white. And I asked the questions, hmm, I've never seen white wine before. And he told me the whole history and that's what, what you just said. It's amazing. Right. Right. Amazing. Okay, take us some somewhere else. Let's let's learn right. more. So 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 how about uh, this is good for us right now? You know how how does a Christian deal with uh, suffering and persecution, right? Mm. And this this relates again. One of the things that Pastor Wolf Miller brought up was Saint Agnes and Agatha. He read one of Luther's quotes on this. Luther brings them up. Uh, they really are often. his favorites, aren't they? They're I think they are. He likes them, uh, and and they've got a wonderful story. I mean, I, I can see why he likes them, right? And so uh, Luther is commenting on. John 15, I am the vine and you are the branches. I'm going to read where, where he gets into the martyrs and talks about how the martyrs uh, deal with, with suffering and persecution and how this then teaches us. Right? Okay. Uh, so he says, thus the dear martyrs viewed their suffering and torments in times past. We read of the martyr St. Ignatius, a disciple of Apost the Apostle St. John, that when he was to be taken to Rome to be thrown to the wild beasts, which were let loose in the arena to tear the Christians to pieces for the purpose of providing an amusing spectacle, he said, let them come. I am God's kernel of grain. He must crush and grind me in the mill before he can use me. Here is a fine Christian application of this text. Its view of suffering is different from the one taken by flesh and blood, which cannot consider such suffering an act of God, but regards it as the fury and wrath with which the devil murders and kills man. St. Ignatius, however, looks upon the terrible teeth of the wild lions and bears as nothing else than God's millstone with which he must be ground to powder in order that he may be prepared as a good cake for God. Thus, we also read that when St. Agatha, a girl 14 or 15 years old, was being led to imprisonment and torture, she went cheerfully and said that she felt as though she were being escorted to a dance. These are surely words of comfort and defiance from a young girl who regards the torment and death to which she is being led as no different from a wedding and an occasion for great, the greatest joy. This is due to faith, which has averted the eyes from the physical appearance and sensations and has directed them upward to the life beyond. It is concluded, what can they accomplish? Even if they do their worst and afflict me with every misfortune, they only usher me quickly from this misery to Christ in heaven. It is the sole purpose of all the sufferings of Christians to promote our Christian life and to bear fruit for a fuller knowledge and stronger confession of the word, a more certain hope and a wider expansion of the kingdom of Christ. The world, to be sure, intends to do us harm, but it really accomplishes no more than what the church sings about the martyrs. Unknowingly, they lead us to eternal joys. Unknowingly and involuntarily, the world leads the Christian through torture and death to eternal joys. Such tortures are nothing else, as St. Agatha said, than taking our arms in a friendly way and leading us to heaven as a bride is led to a dance. Whatever harm is done to Christians by the world, God turns back their anger and lets the harm redound to their advantage. It's, it's just so great. Oh my I goodness. love it. Yeah. Um, it, and so uh, a couple of things to point out. 
the Christian application of the text, its view of suffering is different than the one taken by flesh and blood, right? So flesh and blood looks at suffering in a certain way that is different than the way a Christian looks at suffering, right? The, the flesh and blood cannot look at suffering as being something that God is giving us for our good. It can only look at it as a terrible thing, right? Yeah. The Christian looks at suffering as a good thing for us, right? Um, I mean, if you if you look at how the scriptures, especially St. Paul, brings up suffering and Peter in first, like basically the entire epistle of first Peter, um, uh, it's it's encouraged to us to actually rejoice in our suffering. Right. right. Which is a really difficult thing for us to do. Uh, but this helps like to look at the martyrs and how they dealt with this. And then he gets to Agatha and he talks about all this. And then he talks about uh, this is, I think, a wonderful way to to think about this. He quotes this hymn and I went and I found the hymn and I looked it up. This is like the one good line of the hymn, which is a little <laughs> bit disappointing to me. Um, what was the hymn? I, I don't remember what it was. It, it, it was, it's not, it, worth it made that big of an impression, right? You couldn't even yeah, remember. The yeah. Name it's, it. it's not all that great. What's the good. Um, but um, it, this is what Luther quotes. Unknowingly, they lead us to eternal joys, right? That, that the world is doing what it thinks is like this great work right, to, to destroy the Christians. And unknowingly, they are in the process leading the Christian to the greatest joy, and that is the eternity of the resurrection, right? Wow. I mean, and this is the, um, you know, one of the themes of the scriptures is always the great reversal, yep. right? And this is one of them, right? That what the, what the world means for harm, uh, God uses for good, which is a paraphrase of what St. Joseph in the Old Testament says, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. And yeah. when the scriptures talk about hope, very, very often we do well to realize that they are talking about the resurrection, right? Yeah. Um, that that is the Christian's hope, right? Because that's where everything's undone, right? Yeah. Our hope's not in this life. Our hope's not in the works of our hands. Our hope is in the work of Christ that has promised us the eternity of the resurrection where all things are made new, where we have perfect bodies, where all strife is gone, where sin is destroyed, where the devil is locked in his cage for all eternity, right? All these wonderful things. Uh, so that's our hope, right? And yeah. and it's it's a certain hope, right? We always have to make this qualification. Hope is not like the way we use it colloquially. Uh, I hope it doesn't rain. Right. Hope is a certainty in the scriptures. Yeah. Right? Thank you. So right. so we are we are uh, certain. You know, we, we could substitute that in there. Always being prepared to give a defense for the certainty that you have. Like, why are you so certain of what's going on? It's like, well, because I have these words from Jesus yeah. and he doesn't lie to me. He's backed right? them up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, I preached one time about Judgment Day and I, I remember saying to the congregation, and I kind of got weird looks. That's why it sticks out in my mind that we can, we get to skip like a little schoolgirl. You know, you, you have this, we're kind of, we're kind of losing this because our, our stories these days, what we watch on Netflix and things, they're, they're kind of missing some of that innocence. But mm -hmm. think think back to an old story, something like a, a board book or something you might have read, and there's a picture of a little schoolgirl skipping, right? And she's got this her lunch bag in one hand and just smile across her face and pigtails are up in the air and she's skipping towards school for the first day or something like that, right? Just something sweet and innocent. That's the picture of the Christian going to judgment day. Right. You know, and through all of our suffering, through through the the war field, right? The, the battlefield of this world and this life, that's the disposition. If we do have these eyes of faith and we can, and mm -hmm. we're always struggling against sin to, to continue right. to see that, but that's the message of scripture. Right. Yeah. yeah and, and, and we're doing it because, you know, we, we know what the end of the story is. Right. <laughs> right. That that's, um, so I've, I've, um, 
I've told people when when I talk to them, and I, I think this would be a great way of going about evangelism. When I talk to people and, you know, we're talking about the church or whatever, I'm like, okay, well, so let me be upfront with you. I don't have a whole lot to offer you. Uh, I don't have, you know, uh, a big fancy production. I don't have a bunch of programs. You know, there might not be a whole bunch of kids there. Uh, depends on which, which one of our churches you're at. Um, <laughs> of the state of you know, Kansas. It, 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 it depends on, you know, the week, right? Uh, our AC might break down, you know, periodically. I really only have one thing to offer you, and that's this. Your death is not permanent. And if that sounds interesting to you, let's keep talking. But that's all I got. Nice. Now, uh, the thing is, that one thing is pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and and when you think about all the things that, that are going on right now, everything that people are, are afraid of, in the background of almost all of it is death. Yeah. Right. Death and suffering. We don't really know how to deal with this. And the world has no way of dealing with this. And the Christians, I think, by and large, have forgotten how to deal with this. Yeah. And, the, and the way it's dealt with is that it's not permanent anymore. Right. It's not that it's not going to happen. It's not that we're not going to suffer. That's not what we pray for when we pray, lead us not into temptation. Uh, we pray that the temptations wouldn't overcome us. Right. That's right. Um, it, rather, what what we realize is that these things are only for a time. Right. As, as St. Paul says that these are a light momentary affliction preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Right. Amen. I mean, that that is that is how we ought to. Approach our sufferings and our deaths and teach others to do the same. And, and as we do that, there's going to be a joyfulness about this. You're talking about getting weird looks during a sermon. <laughs> uh, I was preaching at a funeral one time and uh, our our hymn of the day, uh, uh, I, f I forget exactly which hymn it was, but it was one of the Easter hymns that has alleluias at the end of every line, <laughs> right? So it's not just at the end of every stanza, you've got the alleluias like four times in every stanza, right? And I, I started the sermon basically with another alleluia, and I got all these weird looks. And I said, <laughs> it does seem rather strange, doesn't it, to sing alleluias when our sister in Christ has died? Right. Yeah. But the reason why the Christian does is because the Christian knows that this is a sleep. It's it's not a permanent thing. Right. That's right. Uh, it, death is conquered. It's defeated. It's it's uh, uh, as, as one of my favorite hymn writers, uh, Paul Gerhardt, says it so wonderfully that Christ has made my death a portal from the strife of this life to his joy immortal. Right. There it's it just, is. Right. Let me cut you right. off real quick, Pastor, because we got to take a break. But we're going to come back to more Gerhardt and more Eyes of Faith in just a second. Don't right. go away. Concord Matters is the program where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, Christ-confessing Concordians read through and discuss the Book of Concord, which is our Lutheran confession of faith drawn from Holy Scripture, so that you too may be of one mind and confess with Christ. Be sure to listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central on KFUO Radio or anytime on KFUO.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Until we convene for Concord again, keep confessing, church.
Hey, before the break, Sean, we were talking about Gerhard, and you were just about to tell us something wonderful. I had to cut you off so we could take a break. Tell us about Paul Gerhard. Yeah, so Paul Gerhard is this uh, Lutheran pastor in the 1600s, and he writes all these wonderful hymns. Um, I, I think that he's one of the best, if not the best, Lutheran hymn writer out there. Um, it, we would do well to just memorize all of his hymns because they're all great. Um, I sing them all to, to shut-ins all the time. Uh, but this one in particular, this is uh, that the hymn is Why Should Cross and Trial Grieve Me? That's the name of the hymn, right? So so he's a- a- answering this question, why, why should I not be grieved by cross and trial? And right at the end, he gives one of the chief reasons, and that's what I, what I mentioned. I'll, I'll say it again because it's great. Um, Christ, has made, um, Christ has made my death a portal from the strife of this life to his joy immortal. Right. So so my death is no longer a, a portal into complete darkness, but my death is a portal into the eternal light of Christ. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and when we're talking about like going and evangelizing people, we need to we need to come with that. Right. Because yeah. that that's going to fly in the face of everything else they're they're dealing with. But it's also going it, to it's the one thing that actually can speak to and remedy uh, what's going on. Right. So, you know, you're afraid of of getting you know, COVID and dying. Okay. Well, you might get COVID and die, but it won't be permanent, right? Christ is going to raise you again on the last day and your body is going to be perfect and COVID won't exist anymore. Right. Yeah, so how about, right. how about that as a deal? There's worse things than dying, right? Right. That's, right. That's the point. Um, yeah. There, there's eternal death. Yeah. That's, that's the worst thing. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and we should, this is another example of where we should pay more attention to what we sing because I'm guessing most of the people listening have sung multiple times a mighty fortress. And have probably not paid too much attention to the end of it, where Luther teaches us to sing and confess this. Take they our life, goods, fame, child, wife, though these all be gone, our victory still won, the kingdom ours remaineth. Yeah. Right. Um, and he's doing, he's not using the language, but he's still he's still operating with this principle of, of eyes of faith there. Yeah. Right? So the worst thing they can do is kill you. Right. That's right. And it's not all that bad. Okay, so let's uh, let's shift gears. That it, you're absolutely right. It's not all that all that bad. And also, and take their life now is for cross defense listeners a plug for Pastor Wolf Miller's book, uh, which is Martin yeah. Luther's theology on martyrdom. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Okay, let's take a look at, at how this works for our neighbor. Yeah. So, so how Luther does this has this work. Luther has this great quote talking about how how to um, look at our neighbor in Christ. Right. So, so Luther says this. Um, Christ chides and warns them against judging to their own foolish reason, discretion, and opinion, which is like looking through a painted glass that loses the color. A deluded person views nothing properly with his distorted thoughts, even when faced with words of truth, for his heart is embittered and inflamed by hatred. He resembles a painted glass. He judges others by the standard of his own heart and as an enemy whom he sincerely hates and despises. To be sure, you can adorn yourselves beautifully and view your gift and work without spectacles as a good piece of cloth or a precious stone. That is due to the painted glass. Why don't you also look at me with the same eyes with which you behold yourselves? My work is a hundred times better than yours, and yet you count mine bad and evil while yours passes for precious and good. This is because of your corrupt heart and your blurred vision. That is the way of the world. No one views his neighbor with clear eyes except the Christian whose sight is bright and pure. He looks upon his enemies with the eyes of mercy and compassion and wishes them no evil. Even when his enemy is wroth and angry with him, he thinks to himself, 
This bigwig is a wretched person. He is damned already. Why should I wish him further evil? If my enemy continues on that course, he is the devil's own. He feels compassion for him and would gladly see him saved. The others behold their neighbor with eyes of hatred, envy, and pride. Thus they look upon us as malefactors. About this, the Lord says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. That is, look fairly at my work and at me. This has been recorded for our example and our comfort, lest we be alarmed when the same thing happens to us. The truth is being proclaimed and is heard, but we are rebuked for it as liars. And though we defend our position most fitly and make it clearer than the sun, we are nonetheless railed at and reviled. It is inevitable that we take abuse and are viewed with glass eyes. Well, if it cannot be otherwise, then it, then may it, let it remain so. This is unavoidable if people view things through painted glass, and I cannot change it. Christ experiences this too. They called him a rebel. Yes, they called the master of the house Beelzebub. Therefore, they will call us also devils. And we suffer this deservedly. But with his help, we shall carry the day as he did. Uh, and this is great, right? Because he, he vision he, and glass eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and big wigs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So why is it great? Uh, Tell us more. Yeah. So so uh, the, the he's making a couple of really important points here. One is that the world is always going to, he makes this point that the world is going to judge by its own heart, right? So everybody judges by what's in their own, what's in their own heart. So you have like a multitude of different judgments going on, okay. right? Um, and we see this all the time that this idea, um, you can't make everybody happy, right? And, that, and that's yeah. this, this effect of, of everybody having a different standard of judgment, right? So, so that's going on. Um, but then then he says, you know, that the Christian isn't like this. The Christian uh, is the only one that actually sees clearly because the Christian is the one whose eyes have been enlightened by the truth, right? So he looks and he sees what's actually out there and he can see this person. And yeah, they might be, you know, a damned person, you know, uh, spiritually damned. They might be, you know, going to hell if they continue on their road. I want them to be saved. Um, but nonetheless, regardless of what their eternal uh, destination ends up being, I'm going to treat them kindly. Yeah, right. That's right. Uh, be because I'm a Christian and I'm given to see them as my neighbor, not as my enemy. Right. Um, and, and Luther doesn't bring this up, but this is, this goes along with this, that we're given to see these people as those for whom Christ has shed his blood, right? doesn't, regardless of whether they believe it or know it doesn't change the objective reality, yeah. right? They, they may reject that reality. They, they may, find that reality to be repulsive, but it doesn't change the fact that objectively Christ died for the sins of the world and my neighbor, regardless of how they act, is included in that. Amen. So yeah. I'm given to look at them that way. Yeah, it's, a, it's the uh, the old Cracker Jacks decoder ring or something, right? Like we actually yeah. can see clearly and, and right. it's hard, right? It's hard to see past the sinner, past the, right. the vile offender, especially when that offense is directed at us. It's hard right. to see that, but um, we are the. That's the nice thing about the end of this is is Luther's like, um, th this is what they're gonna do, right? So we ought not be surprised yeah, by it, and right. and and we're gonna win the day in the end by the by the aid of Christ, right? So yeah. we're not gonna be all that worried when when we're despised and reviled, and it it it's just another day, yeah. right? As you were so, reading that, I was thinking uh, one time a, a man told me he, he he was open to being being a Christian. He didn't not want to not be a Christian, right? He was open to mm -hmm. it and he would come to church and he would listen. But every time we'd visit, he would be like, no, you know, I just can't 
get there. Uh, I believe in a creator. I just don't believe in Christ as my savior. And it kind of took him by surprise when I said, well, of course you don't. You're seeing everything based on the law. You're, you don't have the ability right now. I mean, you're, you're not seeing it clearly. You, and I, I started using the seeing language, right? Because it's the Holy Spirit who gives us the ability to see, the ability to believe. Right. And he kept, right. he kept wanting me to reason him into faith. He kept wanting me to give him all the particular arguments as if I was going to give him this nugget of truth that he would then go, oh, okay, I can make sense of it, so I believe. And I was like, no, you know, why do we call it the fall? You know, we have lost our ability to see. And I, I just, it struck me as you were reading that, how that's the language I was using without even knowing it. I, mm-hmm. You know, I told him, you know, it's like, a, I, I even did, I used this a, a analogy, you know, someone who's born blind doesn't know what it is to see. And right. so I cannot, I cannot reason, I cannot describe to him the fullness of what I see my words will always be empty, right? There, there, there won't be the, the full richness of actually beholding the thing unless, unless that person can actually start seeing, he won't be able to intellectually conjure up the image that I see. So I, I tried to relate that to, that's what the Holy Spirit does to us. We have lost the ability to see and the Holy Spirit doesn't just describe to us Jesus. He actually gives us eyes to see Jesus. Right. He opens the eyes. He opens right. the eyes. Yeah. Right. And and we, we should remember this is actually what we what we learn in catechism. Right. right? Amen. Third article. Yeah. The Holy Spirit has uh called me by the faith and enlightened me with his gifts. Right. That word enlightening Enlighten. is this language of the opening of the eyes. Yeah, more right? light can get in through the lens, right? I mean, this is right. pretty yeah. simple. The way the eye works actually even supports this eyes of faith thing. But um but how does that work with the ear? No, I get it. I understand. <laughs> Let's we're we're coming down to the end of the show. So, I don't want to miss the the opportunity to talk about the resurrection and the yeah. promise that we have. And now here's the the segue from the ear, right? The promise that we have in the resurrection as it relates to eyes of faith. So, Pastor yeah. Kilgo, help us understand the eyes of faith and in terms of resurrection. Yeah, so one of the great things um, is on the resurrection, what we see is what we actually get at that point, right? There, there, there's no more hiddenness. Um, that's part of the problem right now is there's a hiddenness to things. Okay. Um, there's a veil, or or as St. Paul says, um, now we see as through a di- mirror dimly lit. Right. 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 Um, but then we shall see clearly, right? Um, so on, and it, that then is the resurrection. So Luther, Luther helps helps with this quite nicely. So um, so Luther says this, therefore, when I possess him, I surely possess all for he is pure righteousness, life and eternal blessedness and Lord over death as well. Christ is free from every flaw and failure. He is eternal life, joy, righteousness and blessedness. This treasure is all mine in Christ for he is all without defect and lacking nothing. But my faith is still so deficient that I cannot completely believe and grasp this. All is mine in proportion to my belief and comprehension. And if I persist, my faith will increase and be strengthened in time until yonder life dawns when I will believe and recognize everything perfectly. Then all shortcomings will terminate also in us. Then we will no longer feel sin or be terrified by death or fear of the devil. Flesh and blood are still the barrier erected between Christ and me. It will be raised on that day, and Christ will appear with perfect righteousness and bliss. 
But while we sojourn here on earth and the old Adam still endures, our flesh is unable to lay hold of and grasp this treasure properly. Our eyes do not see it, our hand does not feel it, our mouth does not taste it, and all our members cannot reach or apprehend it. But yonder, all this will surely be achieved. In that life, our eyes will see it, our mouth will taste it, our nose will smell it. The treasure will shine in body and soul, for we will there have perfect assurance and the insight of experience telling us that he is eternal life. Even if I do not now taste it, grasp it with my hands and feel it, see it or comprehend it with my reason, it is still mine by faith. I hear his word, and that is enough for this life until death appears, and my vile body turns to ashes. Then faith will cease, and my eyes will behold. Then it will come to pass that we experience this with body and soul and with all our faculties. And it's just, uh, it's great. Like, so he's like, look, there's a veil right now. Um, every one of our senses is, is in a sense blinded uh, by our sin and by, by the fall of all creation. Um, and so we, it is going to be a struggle um, to, to, to see these things as they are. Um, this is why the sacraments are such a gift, because they are tangible. Right. right. You you can actually see yep. and touch and smell and taste these things. Right. Yeah. Uh, but on the last day, all of our senses are renewed and they are made perfect. And so we will we will apprehend Christ um, in his fullness, in the fullness of his glory perfectly with no barriers any longer. Right. Yeah. Have you ever uh, have you ever read The Great Divorce? Yes. yes. This is reminding the, the, the me. Grass. Of, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Isn't that amazing that yeah the grass is more real than they are yeah and that right. and he tries so so he does a good job he tries so hard to to explain like the weight and the density um, to show that how much richer it is you know that the, the mm -hmm. reality is is so much more substantial than we can even imagine and mm -hmm. uh, oh that reminds me I'm, I'm kind of a Lewis fanatic and he even talks I don't know if it's in the Great Divorce or somewhere in Lewis's library of works. He talks about comparing you know, a child com says the greatest thing on earth is, is uh, chocolate. Right. And then Lewis comes along and says, until you're an adult and you realize the greatest thing on earth is actual is actually sex, right? That, that feeling, that's what people say is the greatest thing on earth when you're an adult and you say chocolate is nothing compared to that. Right. And he says, mm -hmm. and that's kind of odd to think about, but then he takes it to the next level and he says, just imagine what heaven will be like as we finally right. experience what life is meant to be. Even our greatest right. pleasure here will be minimalized to as if it was chocolate, right? We thought we knew what right. it was. Yeah, we got about thirty seconds, Pastor. Leave us with something great, eyes of faith wise, please. Um, well, having said that, I think it's good to just go back to the quote I mentioned earlier um, that this is all preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, right? We have nothing in this life to compare this to. Yeah. Um, but we have glimpses. And Jesus tells us where to see those glimpses, right? Uh, we get glimpses in the waters of the font. We get glimpses in the voice of the absolution. We get glimpses at the altar with the, the bread and the wine, the body and the blood, right? Um, and we ought to start there where our Lord has bound himself by his promises to these great gifts to give himself in his entirety to us uh, and give us the full forgiveness of our sins. And remember that as awesome as that is, that even still does not compare with the eternal weight of glory that is awaiting us as his beloved saints on the last day. Amen. You heard it here from Pastor Sean Kilgo, the pastor of Kansas, <laughs> uh, the four parishes there. Thanks, Sean, for being on the show. I really appreciate it.
Yeah, thanks for having we'll me. We'll have you back on again. Thank you very much. And uh, God's blessings to you And as you do this great work in the topic of the eyes of faith. Keep it up. If you are watching, listening, however you're consuming this content with your ears or with your eyes, thanks for tuning in. This is Cross Defense. I'm your host, Tyrell Bramwell. It is good to be here. You can reach out to me at TyrellBramwell.com. You can also reach out to me on social media. Direct message me. The handle is always at TyrellBramwell.com. Make sure you tune in to KFUO.org for more great KFUO content. You can listen on demand or podcast it, right? Your favorite favorite podcast app will have KFU on it. So make sure you uh, download that and you can use that to watch all the past episodes and listen, right? They got all, I'm all confused with this eyes of faith thing. Listen, watch, hear, see, whatever you got to do, consume the content. And you can definitely check out the, uh, the earlier episode. I'll, I'll uh, see if I can link it over on my social media, the episode that uh, Pastor Kilgo was mentioned on back in January to kind of get a primer for this show. And we'll pick it up next week. Can't wait to see you. Thanks for tuning in. God bless. Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at KFUO.org.